This week's episode will be a little bit different. We're going to dive into the internals of Rails 3 and take a look and walk through some of the code, specifically regarding routes. Uh, so here we have a routes file for a Rails 3 application, and this is the same application I was working with in the last episode, an e-commerce app. And I want to see what's really going on under the hood in Rails 3 with this code. Now you may be wondering, what's the point of doing this? Is it worth my time to browse around other code? Well, I think so, because I think reading other Ruby code is a great way to improve your own skill because you see little tricks and techniques that other people do, which you may not have thought of. It's also a great way to uh, learn how to use the code better. And here we might find some ways to improve our routes file as we're uh, browsing the code. Not only that, but if you're trying to debug a problem or maybe you're optimizing some code in your project, or maybe you want to contribute to Rails itself, uh, learning the internals of Rails is a great way to doing so. Now this will be a bit more of an advanced episode, so I'm assuming you already are familiar with how routing works in Rails 3. If you're not, I encourage you to check out episode number 203 because the routing syntax is a lot different than it was in Rails 2. Now the Rails source code is hosted on GitHub, and I highly encourage you to clone this repository here so that you can browse through the code easily. So here we'll do a git clone with that URL so we can pull it on down. Now currently the Rails master branch that we downloaded is for Rails 3.1, which is still in development. But we want to make sure we're using the same version that we're using in our Rails application. So we can switch using a tag, so we can just switch to version 3.0.0 uh, for this case. So we can run git checkout and that version number, 3.0.0. Now as you can see, Rails is made up of many different parts. And anything related to controllers, views, or routes is located under action pack. So if we go under action pack, we can see that that is also divided into several different sections. And action dispatch is where we'll mostly be focusing on because this contains a lot of the routing code. Now before we dive any further into the Rails source code, let's go back to our Rails application into the routes file and see exactly what's going on here. Now the first line of the routes here is actually really interesting. Uh, we're calling routes on store application. Now store is the name of this specific Rails application. Now if we take a look at our application file in the config directory of this app, we can see that this is where it's defined, module store class application. And it inherits from Rails application. And this is where a lot of the configuration options are going to take place in Rails 3. Now if you see something that's prefixed with the Rails namespace like we have here, that means it's usually defined in the rail ties directory in the Rails source code. So here inside our Rails project, we can look under the Rails ties directory, lib, Rails, and then here's our application file. And this is where our application class is defined, which we inherit from uh, in our Rails app. Now we can do a search inside of here for the routes method because this is the method that's called inside of our routes config file. And as you can see, all it's doing is basically creating an action dispatch routing route set. So as you can see back in our application's routes file, this routes call here is just returning a route set. And the next thing we do here is called draw on this. Let's see what that does. All right, so in our Rails project, let's do a lookup for a route set file. And a lot of times the name of the file will match the class it contains. So in this case, uh, this is the right file, action dispatch routing route set. And we can take a look at where it's located. You can see it's located under action pack under action dispatch routing. And then inside of here, let's look for a call to draw. And there it is. So notice this draw method takes in a block argument. First, it clears any existing routes. 
and then it creates a new mapper object. And this is pretty interesting. It just passes in self, which is the route set to it, and the mapper is a separate file. So we'll take a look at that in a minute. But then we need to check if the block accepts any arguments. And if it does, if it accepts an argument, then we're going to pass in our deprecated mapper to it. So this way it will work with Rails 2 routes because this deprecated mapper uh, works the same way as the Rails 2 routing works. And that way, if we do like draw a map, then that will be the old uh, Rails 2 routing. Now, notice that we're using instance exec execute here because what this will do is basically execute the block as if it was inside the instance itself. So back to our routing block here, everything inside of here, basically self, is the mapper object. So this is the way we can get that cool um, domain-specific language syntax in Rails 3 routes where we're just calling resources, not map.resources, because we're already on the instance of our mapper. And then we just call finalize, which is defined down here, and that basically just freezes our set of routes. Okay, so now we know that everything inside this block here is called directly on the routing mapper. And let's start off with something really simple. Let's say we have a simple route of match uh, products to products index action. So now let's take a look inside of our mapper class and see what that match method does. Uh, we can do a search in here for a method called match. And there are a few of them, but usually if there's a few of them, the one you want is maybe under base or if if it was defined directly on mapper, that would be the one too. Now notice this route set here gets passed into this mapper object when it's initialized. And then when we call match here, it's basically going to add a route to our set. And it does this through by creating a mapping object and then calling to route on that mapping object. Oh, by the way, I want to point out this root method up here is actually really simple. All it's doing is just calling match, then passing the root URL path to it, and then adding the as root option so it's a named route. And really, it's not doing anything fancy when you're calling root in your routes file, it's just calling match under the hood. Okay, back to where we're creating our mapping instance here. Uh, let's look for this and see what Rails is doing here. Look for our mapping, there it is. And you can see here when it's initialized, it's just setting some instance variables and then calling normalize options. Now normalize options is defined down here, and it's kind of interesting because it's checking if we're using a certain shorthand. And I find browsing code like this is a nice way to find out little um, kind of secrets in how to improve the way um, I'm using the code. So in this case, there's a little shorthand way of defining controller actions where you have the controller and the action name matching up to the, um, the name in the URL. So in this case, it's going to automatically set the to and as options for us, depending on the name of the match uh, URL here. So let me demonstrate this back in our routes file. Uh, let's say we have a call to match the products uh, recent URL, and we want that to map to the products uh, at controller recent action. And this will actually happen automatically if we just leave this to parameter off. That's just a shorthand way of doing it. Um, it's also going to do an as option saying uh, products recent as the um, named route. So we can actually just leave both of these off and that's what the shorthand is going to do. So going back to our mapping object, uh, we have this to route method and remember that method was called for creating a new route and adding it to a route set. 
And basically this just returns an array of options which are used to make a new route. Um, let's take a look at the first option here, app. And that's just a method called down here. Now whenever you see app, usually that's referring to a rack application inside of Rails. So if you ever see an instance variable or method called app, usually that means it's going to return a rack application. So this constraints, we're creating a new constraints object here. Um, let's see if that's a rack app. So let's do a search for constraints, the class here. And this has a couple methods. One is called call and it accepts an environment. So this definitely looks like a rack application here, this constraints class. One thing that's really interesting here is that we're defining and overriding the self.new method. Now, why would you ever do that inside of Ruby when you have the initialize method? And notice we're also defining that here. Well, I think it's for performance reasons why they're doing that here. Now notice constraints is actually a piece of rack middleware. In other words, it wraps another rack application. The first argument here is another rack application. And notice when it's called, if any of the constraints are triggered, then it's going to return a 404. Otherwise it's going to trigger that rack application that it's wrapping. So this is a bit of performance tuning so that when we're calling .new, it's not going to bother allocating another object in memory and wrapping that and going through that every time. Instead, it's just going to return the initial rack application itself if we don't have any constraints. So it's just a bit of optimization. Okay, now let's go back to where this is called and just take note of the two arguments at the beginning here. It first takes a rack application and then an array of constraints. So that was defined inside of an app call under mapping, and that's where we create a new constraint. And you can see the first argument here should be the rack app, and we're calling two and see if it responds to call. And two, the two method, is just returning the two option, as you can see there. And so if it responds to call, in other words, if it is a rack application itself, then it's going to respond to that with that, otherwise it's going to return a new route set dispatcher and with some default options. So this is where we get the ability to pass in any rack application to the two options. So we can say basically any rack application here, let's just use a proc object and then have it respond like a rack application would. And I go into more detail on this in episode 222, but using rack like this allows for a lot of flexibility. But what happens when we don't pass a rack application to the two option like we're doing up here? In that case, a new dispatcher object is created to handle that. Let's take a look at that. So here's the dispatcher class and notice it's under route set. And basically a dispatcher handles the passing a request to the proper controller. So I'll go through this kind of quickly, but basically if you look down here, you can see that this is where the controller is actually determined. It's basically um, constantizing the controller name and appending the controller to it. And you can see other stuff happens here like adding the default action to, setting the default action to index if one isn't specified. And also this dispatch method, which gets triggered when you call this. So when you, this is also a rack application here. You call dispatch this is going to call the controller action method, and this is actually going to return a rack application. So basically what this means is that we can take any controller, in this case we have a products controller class, call action, pass in the name, in this case let's do index, and that will return 
a looks like a proc object because that's a rack application that you can call call on pass in some environment variables and that will you can basically trigger any action manually through rack this way pretty awesome so if we take a look at our routes controller we can see that's what's happening behind the scenes here uh, we have the simple shorthand string and that's actually expanding to this where we have products controller action index and that's going to return a rack application so that's just basically a shorthand way of doing the same thing now there's a lot more I could cover here but I think this is a good place to stop for this episode uh, there's the resources methods which generate a bunch of routes here uh, there's the various methods you can use to scope conditions and pass in blocks to those to uh, to cascading scopes but uh, hopefully I gave you enough here that you can just kind of research the code on your own now routing is one of the more complicated areas of Rails, uh, so if you're a little bit intimidated by the complexity of the code here, don't worry too much. Um, you might want to try reading some of the other parts of Rails uh, first and get up to speed with that. Well, I hope you enjoyed this sort of experimental episode on walking through some of the internals of Rails. Uh, if you enjoyed it, uh, let me know, and I may do some more episodes on it if there's enough interest.